Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Homeland Park Baptist Church. So we are in Ephesians chapter 3, and we continue our look at church with a question mark. That's the, the series that we're in. And the reason it's a church with a question mark is because the book of Acts does a great job of showing us how the church evolved from just the infant stages of following Christ to where it has become today. And this part is where Paul is telling the church, us as individuals, what we need to do. Now, everybody loves a good mystery. The reason I know that is because anytime you turn on your television, there's about 50 million different mysteries and crime shows for you to solve. And it's been like that forever. And now, for some of our younger generations, they like to hear what they call podcasts, which come to their phone and other media equipment to where they can hear about investigations. They can hear about things that there were questions about when somebody was was uh, incarcerated and all of these different things. Everybody wants to figure something out. And the thing is, is that whether it be a good book or back in the day, some of you will remember where there were no TVs or only the very richest of people had TVs. All you had was the radio in the middle of the living room floor. And so you would listen to the radio, kind of like the kid on the Christmas story when the little orphan Annie uh, radio show would come on. But as I digress, let me jump into why we're talking about that today. Have you ever wondered why God laid out a plan of salvation like he did? I mean, think about it. Why did Jesus have to die? Why is it such a big deal to be a part of his church? Why is it a big deal to be in church today? Well, Paul reveals God's great mysterious plan in our scripture today. And so the first thing that we see as we look at verses 1 through 9 is that spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ is a privilege. And we're going to look first at the first three verses. And, and before I say this and before I read this, I just need to give a little disclaimer. There have been many people that I have talked to and I have heard speak about the fact that they say, well, preacher, my faith is a private matter that I want to keep to myself. My question to you, my friend, is that if you believe that your faith is a private matter between you and God and that you should not talk to anybody about what God has done for you in your life, please show me one single verse in the Bible that supports that. It does not. Now, it doesn't mean that you need to be a controversial person. You need to be like that person that puts their politics before their faith or puts their preferences before their faith. But all of us are to share the gospel. And now I know some of you are saying, well, well, preacher, that's what we pay you for. You're the preacher. I don't know how to do that. Look, I'm not talking about having to be eloquent or getting in front of a lot of people, but the Bible plainly says we need to give a reason for our hope. And maybe some of the the simplest way to spread the gospel is say, hey, why don't you come to church with me? Uh, God's been really dealing with me, and I think you might enjoy it. Or... You know, people talking about how bad this world is in. And all you got to do is say, you know what? This world is in a bad shape. But you know what gets me through the day? My faith in Jesus Christ. Is that preachy? Did you have to know a verse? Did you have to get some kind of certificate to be able to share that? No, absolutely not. You share from your heart. So with that said, why should we share the gospel? Number one, we belong. 
We belong to Jesus Christ. Verses 1 through 3 say, When I think of all this, when I think of all this, I, Paul, a prisoner of the Christ Jesus, for the benefits of you Gentiles, assuming, by the way, that you know God gave me the special responsibility of extending his grace to you Gentiles. And as I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. Now, when you're reading the scripture, the beginning of it says, when I think of all this, the first question that comes to mind is, what is all of this? What is he talking about? And what he's talking about is what he's talked about in the first two chapters. Chapter one spoke of God's plan of redeeming a fallen and sinful creation. He detailed how the work of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, or as we call the Trinity, how they work hand in hand for our plan and redemption. God the Father initiates salvation. He initiated by getting forgiveness of sin through Jesus. Now, you've probably heard preachers say this a million times, but again, just let me reiterate it for you all. Why in the world did Jesus have to die for your sins? Well, the truth is, bloodshed is necessary for the forgiveness of sins. We see that in Hebrews 9.22. And in the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, they would bring animals to sacrifice on behalf of the sins of the people. And the animals there, it's not like you could just go down to animals are us and, and buy a lamb. It got that way eventually in the temple, and that's why Jesus cleared it out. But before that, a sacrifice was an animal that was the best of the best of your, your animals, and that you would bring it, you would raise it, it would be basically the family pet, and then when it came time for you to sacrifice it for your sins, the lamb would be killed for your sins. It sounds graphic, I know. It sounds mean, I know. But folks, that is the only thing that covers sin is blood. Now, the thing is, is that we, we, we can't identify with that because there's no animal sacrifices now in worship. But the thing is, is that if you lived back in those days, an animal was your income. An animal was your family pet. An animal was your livelihood. An animal was a, the best animal that could have fetched the highest price or the best animal that could provide for the, the farm. And now they have to sacrifice it. Here's what we learn from that about sacrifice. That a sacrifice that costs you nothing is no sacrifice at all. A sacrifice that costs you nothing is no sacrifice at all, my friend. And God spoke of his redemption through the Trinity. God the Father was the initiator of our reconciliation between us and God. Jesus was the vehicle or the vessel. He made it possible by the shedding of his blood once and for all so that those animal sacrifices would not have to be observed anymore because Jesus was the one and only perfect sacrifice for your sin and mine. And then at the end of chapter 1, there was a beautiful prayer about the church and how God would enable them to do what he was teaching. And in chapter 2, Paul illustrates God's work of reconciliation between himself and creation, Uh, most importantly, between the Jews and Gentiles. 
And that's what Paul is addressing here in a major way. All of this is what Paul was referencing at the beginning of verse 1 as he reveals God's mysterious plan. Now in verses 4 through 9, we see that like Paul, you have been chosen to reveal God's mysterious plan to the world. Yes, you. Yes, you, senior adult. Yes, you, young man and young woman, and even myself. It says, verse 4, as you read what I have written, remember, this is written to the church at Ephesus, the Christians, folks like you and me. As you read what I have written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to the previous generations, but now, by His Spirit, He has revealed it to His holy apostles and prophets. In verse 6, and this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promises of blessing because they belong to Jesus Christ. My friends, by belonging to Jesus Christ, it means you not only know God's mysterious plans, but you are benefactors of it. Again, racism was running rampant back in the day when this was written, most predominantly between God's quote-unquote chosen people, the Jews, and God's people that weren't chosen, the Gentiles. The Jews had a big problem with the Gentiles being able to claim the same benefits they had as being God's chosen. Isn't that what racism is? People jealous of one another? Isn't that what greed does to our, to our, our culture, to our county, to our state, to our nation, and to our world? And the thing is, is that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you not only know God's mysterious plan, you are benefactors of it. Because unless you are Jewish, you had really no chance at all. Because you were not God's chosen. So to be a non-Jewish person, to be a Gentile, a non-Jew, which most of us in this room would fall into, we are blessed because of God's mysterious plan. It's this very message that is the reason Paul was in a jail in the first place. Yes, my friends, he was writing this from a jail cell. And he was in jail for the fact of telling people it's not about your lineage, it's not about your race, it's not about your religion, but it is all about Jesus Christ. And Paul was using this message to bring people together. Look, there are a lot of messages you can get behind today, but not one of them will bring us together like the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to remember that. When we want to give and espouse our opinions and the fix for the political realm and the, the whatever whatever else we want to, the problems we want to fix, but they never seem to go away. Look, I'm not saying if you say gospel, gospel, gospel three times, everything's going to turn into roses. That's not what I'm saying. Is What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. That is, when God gives you an opportunity, give people a reason for the hope that you have. And my friends, if you're not able to do that, talk with me or your Bible study teacher or somebody to teach you how to be able to interject the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, into a conversation. But if you are unwilling to do that, my friend, I challenge you to even consider your commitment to Christ. Because, folks, if you are saved, you will tell others about him. 
I know many of you in here, including myself, have been Christians longer than we can remember. And it seems like the older we get, the quieter we get about our faith. The more fear we have of what will people think. But we see here God's plan is all about timing. God's plan was not revealed until the church was established. My friends, the reason that we gather here today, the reason that we sing victory in Jesus, the reason that we come and you hear me and, and I don't, I, I am blessed because I don't see why anybody would want to come hear me, but here you have come to hear me preach God's word here and God's word says we are the church and we are the vehicle to carry out the work of what Jesus Christ has already done. And he reveals his mysterious plan in seven through nine. He says, by God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege, the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. Folks, tell your story. You may not be an apostle or an evangelist, but folks, God will give you opportunities to tell your story. And when he gives you those opportunities to share your faith, he will also give you the ability to do it. Some of you, you have friends that are struggling in life right now. And I'm not saying just tell them, hey, just pray harder and you'll get better. Maybe some of the gospel good news you need to share with them is love and support and a listening ear and sharing with them maybe a scripture that means a lot. If you don't know any scriptures, my friend, there's something called Google. And you can say, show me Bible verses on whatever you're going through. And if you have a Bible sitting around at your house, if you go to the back and you look at the concordance or you look at the references in the back and you look about what you're dealing with, it will show you verses for that. You don't need a preacher to tell you what that is. But the thing is, folks, fear chokes out your ability when you choose to stay silent about your faith. And my friend, quit crying how bad of a shape this world is in if you're not willing to share the remedy. Don't sit around the hardies with all the, the, the old men and women trying to fix the problems of everything that's going on and not interject Jesus there. Because as far as I know, as long as I've been alive, there have been those people with their biscuit and that coffee in the corner of Hardee's and all these other restaurants, and nothing has been fixed. My friends, our convention has made resolutions and nothing has been fixed. Churches have done programs and nothing has been fixed because we're looking at it from the wrong way. We need to be about the gospel and sharing with people the reason that we have hope. And now you know God's mysterious plan because he shared it with you. And now we know it. We need to share it. Did you know it's bad for you to keep a secret? Truly, it's bad for you to keep a secret. Secrecy is associated with someone who has a lower well-being. They have worse health. They have less satisfying relationships. And research has linked to increased anxiety, depression, symptoms of poor health, and even more rapid progression of diseases. So, folks, refusing to share the gospel... The hope of the gospel that you have as a believer is hindering your growth as a believer. We're not secret agents, folks. 
We proclaim the victory in Jesus that he has given us. Second thing, verses 10 through 13. God has purposed you with carrying out his plan. God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. Folks, did you catch that? God's purpose is to display his wisdom to the angels in heavenly places. God's purpose for you being in church today is to display his wisdom, not only to this world, but to the spiritual realm that is out there right now in the midst of me talking. And I can go ahead and tell you, I know it with with certainty that right now, as as I'm talking and preaching the word, there are some of you that are tuned in. There are some of you that are thinking about you need to check your Facebook post or you're wondering where you're going to go eat and see how long the, the wait's going to be for your restaurant or, or how long your nap is going to be. I understand. I, I've sat in pews before. I understand what it means to, to kind of zone out. And I, I understand that. But the thing is, is that right now there is a battle for your attention and there is a battle for your soul. If we were to be able to put on glasses that showed the spiritual realm, you would see angels and God's protection around this whole sanctuary. And you would see evil trying to make its way in. It's around us every day, my friends. And we are to show the world and show the spiritual world God's wisdom and glory. Now, whether you like them or not, the teams, anyone can see that Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney are phenomenal coaches. There's many good coaches, and I can see it now. I'm going to tell you, football season's around the corner. I saw a, like a warm-up game the other day, and I was getting excited. Woo! Nothing like that pig skin and hamburgers and hot dogs and, and all that kind of good stuff. In college football especially. But whether you are a Clemson fan or not, or whether you are um, all these other teams or not, an Alabama fan, whether you like Dabo or Nick or whoever your favorite one is, they make the game look fun. They give us something to talk about. And their players, when they hit the field, they show off Everything that their programs have given them. They show off the leadership style of their head coach. They show off the skills that their other assorted coaches give to them. So when they hit the field and they are prepared, they are showing off what they have learned because of the program that they are from. And folks, so if you want to take that illustration and put into why we are here today, folks, our purpose as God's church is to show the world how good He is. But the problem is too many people are going to church, but they don't want to get out on the field. They want to stay on the sidelines because they're afraid somebody might boo them. The purpose of the church is not for you and I to sit and get fed. If all we do is get fed and never go out and do, all we do is get spiritually fat and lazy until we die. You need not to be afraid to approach God. We see that in this passage of verse 12. It says, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. 
So please don't lose heart because of my trials here. I am suffering for you. You should feel honored. So again, Paul is saying, look, y'all, I'm in jail because of you. And I'm not trying to put you on a guilt trip is what Paul is saying. But I want you to understand that he's telling them this is how important this subject is. I wonder what we would think if one day, and it may come to this, I don't know, of where when you share Jesus, it's a crime. And I wonder what we'll think when somebody goes to jail for us because of that. As a believer, you and I can approach the very throne of God. I could not imagine you or I just walking into the White House without an appointment, without an escort, and say, I'm here to see the president. Oh, what's your name? Mr. Strickland, you're not on the list. I know, but, but I want to see him. Okay, well, by the way, come on in. Can we escort you to the White House? They'd probably take me right to the jail cell. You can't do that. But here we go. The creator of the world, the author and the perfecter of our faith, the one that loves you and created you, says, look, my door is open. Come on in. That when you pray to God, the God of all creation hears you. Is that not amazing? As a child of God, you have direct access to God through Jesus Christ. We who are believers are God's children through Jesus Christ. I cannot imagine if your son or your daughter would come up to you and say, Daddy, I really need to talk to you about something. Oh, go away. I don't have time for this. Wait for the commercial to come on. Mommy, I really need to talk to you about this. I got something I need to to say. Just sit over there for a minute. I'm on the phone. I'll get to you in a minute. God never does that. You have a direct line to the ear of God because of what Jesus Christ has done and because you are part of his team called the church. As we look at our last session or section, you need to grow in your faith. You need to grow in your faith. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, some of y'all are about to zone out right here. But hear me out just for a second. Over the years in the churches I have served, there have been many families who have had precious little children. And in some cases, there was much apprehension and worry because the babies were not growing up as fast as their doctors thought they should. And as I've told people before, I was a preemie, premature. I weighed only four pounds and four ounces. They were like, right. I tell people they put me in the incubator and overcooked me. That's why I'm so big and I got red hair. However, you know what? If you've ever walked in the shoes of having a child that's not growing according to health standards and expectations... You know the pain that's involved in that. I remember in my last church, one little boy, the church prayed over. Everybody was worried about this young man. He wasn't growing fast enough. Even the pastor at the time had a prayer service and anointed the child's head with oil. Because everybody was so concerned about his slow growth. God ended up doing a great work in that young man's life. 
He grew up to be very active in baseball, and he was as regular in size as anybody in his age group. God had his hand on that young man, and he answered the prayers of his people. So hear, my, hear me out, my friends. God wants you to grow spiritually. When we see somebody, a child, that is not growing physically, the alarm bells go off. The concern goes off. But when we see people that accept Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord and never take one more step forward, we don't care. We don't care if we are reading the same verses in the same books that we did ten years ago. We don't care if we're not changing our prayers to more than just bedtime and meals. We don't care. We're just existing. Paul says in verse 14, When I think of all this, I fall to my knees, and I pray to the Father, the Creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from His glorious, unlimited resources, that He will empower you with inner strength through His Spirit. Then Christ will make His home in your hearts as you trust in Him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. Boy, I hear lots of praise songs talking about how deep, how wide, How strong His love is for me. But very rarely do those songs talk about our need for spiritual growth. Our need to take our sin seriously. Our need to share the hope that we have in Jesus Christ to others. My friend, this defines the need of the church. We have been blessed with a generation of godly men and women that were pillars of this church that have now gone on to the eternal home. And some people are still here. The old guard, the faithful, they are still here. And I thank God every day for them. And God has brought new life into our church through young families and visitors that keep showing up. We are blessed because of that. And we have seen a transition in our church from predominantly a senior adult church to now a more median age. As I've said many times, I remember in the first couple of years here, we had Father's Day and a couple of guys were out. So our young, the youngest father was 61 or 62 at the time. So that gives you perspective. God is moving in this church. God is, is bringing families to our church. Our nursery right now is busting at the seams. Our children's ministry is growing. We are so blessed. And as older adults are limited in what they can do, we have seen younger members step up like never before. This is as it should be. But do not mistake physical involvement as a replacement for spiritual growth. You can be here every time the doors are open, my friend. But if you are not growing in your faith, if you are not growing in your understanding of God, let me just put it this way. If you're not growing, you're dying. Right? Right now, every every nanosecond that passes by, you're getting a little bit older. All of us are. Whew, that's kind of deep, isn't it? I don't want to talk about that. But you know what? Every minute. You're either growing or you're dying physically 
and spiritually as well. There are some people that believe the lie that we can just coast as a Christian. We can be floaters. We can just float along. My friends, if you are a floater in your faith, only dead people float. It's time to take our, our spiritual life more seriously. And I'm talking to all of us. And I say this in love. In verse 19, it says, May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. I love seeing it when someone who has rejected God all of their lives, they finally come to know God, they come to know Jesus Christ, and they understand what it means to be complete. You see, God created you with a hole in your heart. um, Ecclesiastes says God has planted eternity in our hearts. In other words, he has created us to worship him. That is why we have athletes. That's why we have sports teams. That's why we have politicians. That's why we have all these people that we, we buy their jerseys, we buy their music, we buy their products. We, we attend their events and we do all of these things because we want to raise somebody up on a pedestal. We are wired for worship because we have that hole in our heart that is meant for God. And too many people fill that hole with things that will take them down. And I pray that you're not one of those people. Again, I say this in love. If you're not growing, you're dying. Make an effort to study God's word. Look for ways to serve God. If in any of these things you have questions about, this is why I'm here. I want to help you with this stuff. Your Bible study teacher wants to help you with this stuff. There are some places on the internet that want to help you with this stuff, though I would be very guarded on where you go. Be vocal about the hope you have found in Jesus and be a part of seeing other people coming to know him. Again, I think there's a conception or misconception, excuse me, that when I say you need to share the gospel, you need to get in front of a pulpit like this and scream. That's not what I'm talking about. I went to uh, one of our VBS workers this week or this past week. And we had several decisions for, in VBS of children maybe wanting to come to know Christ. And I told that person, I said, I want you to understand something. With that person coming to know Christ and being in his kingdom, you as a VBS worker had a part in that. Whether you served the food, cleaned the bathrooms, danced on stage, directed, taught, or hung out for security, or whatever you did, you were a part of sharing the gospel to those little kids. And all you had to do is be here and be willing to be used by God, even if it was just mopping a floor. Folks, it's not rocket science. The reason we are at church is not to please the preacher, not to please our parents, not to please our friends, not to please our own sense of guilt, but to serve the Lord and make known the mystery that God has given us the answer to, that God loves everyone and he wants everyone to be saved. I think Paul concludes his sermon best in the scripture, so we're just going to read his scripture. His closing prayer for the Ephesians is my prayer for you today. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish 
infinitely more than we might ask or think. So glory to Him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you now and I want to thank you for your word, this mystery that you have made known to us as a church, Lord. It's not about just attendance, Lord. It is about growing as Christians. It is about taking that faith that you have given us and nurturing it and being all that you created us to be, Lord. It's about having a burden for our brothers and sisters that don't talk like us, that don't look like us, and being able to to look for ways with your leading to share the faith that we have. Because, Lord, in here, in this room right now, there is a person that has the key to unlock one of their friend's problems, and that is their faith in you. And I pray they take that seriously. And if there's someone, even one person here today, that would say, I'm not sure if I am a Christian. I, I just don't know for real. If, if I were to die now, I would spend eternity in heaven. I don't know. My friend, if that's you, this is an opportunity for you to come forward, and we will nail that down this morning. Maybe you want to get baptized, or maybe you just want to commit your life to the Lord to say, look, I've been kind of coasting for a little bit, and, and I want to get back on track. Whatever your decision is, come just as you are. Would you please stand? Thank you.